I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. Thanks for tuning in to Restaurant and Retail Revelations, a podcast spotlighting movers and shakers in the restaurant and retail industries, brought to you by Revel Systems, which is provider of the leading cloud POS platform on the market. In this episode, we're excited to talk with Troy Hooper, CEO of the Pepper Lunch North America division. Pepper Lunch is a large and longstanding teppanyaki brand with more than 500 global locations. However, the brand has just started to take root in North America under Troy's leadership. If you're interested in how Pepper Lunch brings a do-it-yourself element to an elevated fast casual dining experience, or maybe you're just curious to learn more about what teppanyaki dining is, keep listening for great insights from Troy. Troy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Julie. Good to see you and Sydney too. And you now lead the North American arm of Pepper Lunch, which for people who don't know is a global teppanyaki restaurant chain under the parent company Hot Palette. So in case listeners aren't familiar with this teppanyaki style cuisine, can you explain it a little bit more and how it differs from hibachi? Yeah, so teppanyaki is a top, a hot plate or a hot top table, right? Um, that normally... Many in America would know about Benihana or other local family brands like that. Um, imagine if that was done instead of on a table in front of you by a chef with a tall hat flipping shrimp at you. Imagine if the authentic version of that food was actually cooked on a 10 inch iron plate at your table, right? So we have no cooking implement in the table like a Korean barbecue or a yakiniku or a teppanyaki, um, but it is the authentic teppanyaki style food. As a matter of fact, our founder at Pepper Lunch was a master teppanyaki chef and converted from that full service experiential dining journey that you get, he created the fast casual version of that. So the fast casual version is it had to be made and brought to the table and consumed in 20 minutes or less, ideally. And so he invented this system of an induction unit that delivers high energy very quickly um, on demand as needed and superheats this special iron plate to 500 degrees. So we bring you this sizzling hot plate of raw ingredients that you add your own sauces and spices to and sizzle it. We say sizzle it, sizzle it your way. Everybody at Pepper Lunch is the master chef and you just uh, DIY the teppanyaki yourself. Oh, I love that. And experience is such a major component of that. I'd love to hear when you're looking across the board at other teppanyaki brands, what would you say are the elements that set Pepper Lunch apart from competitors in that cuisine space? We're giving you the experiential, fast, casual experience. So nobody else does that. And I just challenge anybody because I've been in this business 30 years and I eat out every day. I can't find another fast, casual concept where you get an experience. And I'd say the closest thing in history to that is the down the line Chipotle or Blaze pizza concepts, right? And so since that sort of innovation, we haven't really seen something like that. And by the way, Pepper Lunch is 30 years old, so it actually uh, is older than both of those uh, concepts. But, um, you know, it is the fact that there's something other than I receive food on a plate and eat it, right? In this case, you can take six different sauces, a couple of different spice blends, and you can really make this food how you want to make this food. You can have uh, rare meat and you can have super well done meat, right? And you can really make it your own style and flavor. And so 
you know, you really don't get that at all these other places, you know, Korean barbecue is awesome. I love Korean barbecue and particular brands of it are fantastic. Um, but you know, sitting there for 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, it's 35 to $65 a person. And you're kind of doing one or two things at a time with ours. You're actually creating your entire meal all at once. You're cooking it all on the single plate, all in that first minute, two, three minutes at the most, and then you're consuming and enjoying it, right? So it's not this constant sort of, you know, cooking and then eat the, eat the food and then cook some more and then eat the food, right? Just a different way of delivering a similar experience, but in the fast casual model, you order at a kiosk or a counter over across the counter terminal, you sit down with your beverage and we bring you the food in as little as three up to seven minutes on average. And uh, you get to do that with yourself by yourself. It's easy. Again, one person can come and enjoy our food, or it's very common to see groups of people come and enjoy our food and everybody gets their own plate. Yeah, that's super unique. And, uh, you know, while we're on the top of topic of experience, Troy, I, I want to know uh, what your first restaurant memory is, if you can kind of like take your mind there for a second. As you think back, what's your earliest recollection of dining out in that experience? Uh, Burger King. Um, I grew up in a very... Uh, lower middle class initially, my dad definitely graduated and, and I'd say we were up, upper middle class uh, at, by the time I was in high school, but um, pretty uh, beginner means, so to speak, uh, blue collar uh, history of family all working in the trades. And so eating out was actually really um, special. I, I was one of those kids that grew up and we got, to, my grandmother would take me to Burger King every Saturday for lunch. And that was the special treat, right? Um, so that's my first memory. The second or favorite memory is that most Friday nights I got to go to Dairy Queen. Oh, sweet. Yeah. That's and spot. it was an old fashioned Dairy Queen walk up window, the giant neon cone sticking out over the sidewalk, you know, a family run franchise location that the family actually ran for like 40 something years. I actually knew their grandkids like like it, it just, you know, it was one of those cool neighborhood family sort of experiences. But again, a treat to go and get a cone. And then when they invented the blizzard, it was over. I was Mr. Strawberry Blizzard my whole life. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, so in addition to your personal connections to dining out, and I do love, I mean, the experience is such a, a big piece of what makes it hospitality, right? It's that personal connection. Um, but I know like you also have more than 30 years of experience in hospitality operations management, executive leadership. So will you walk us through the career path that ultimately led you to the position at the helm of Pepper Lunch and Hot Palette for North America? Like all people in my position, you started as one of three things. You were a dishwasher, busboy, or host or hostess. And I was a busboy. So, uh, and actually my experience starts a little before that because my father's construction company, one of the specialties of his business was building new or remodeling existing restaurant bars and nightclubs. So I literally grew up on the construction site, literally <laughs> sleeping in the construction site, waking up at the construction site um, of these venues. And then my dad loved to throw a great party. So we had a lot of parties. I grew up in the seventies and early eighties. So, you know, and I'm from Miami, so party time USA. So, you know, he loved to throw a great party. So, you know, he loved to cook and he, and he instilled that in me very young. I was cooking my own food very, very young. And so I was just thrilled to like make these meat platters and these cheese platters. And by, boy, back then it's very different from a charcuterie board and grazing table today that we've graduated to. But I grew up kind of hosting people and seeing the joy that food brought people. And so I always wanted to own my own restaurant and I thought I wanted to be a chef. 
So I started in the rungs of busboy and I came up to expo and I ended up as a kitchen manager and I went to culinary school and I started cooking and I ultimately achieved sous chef in a, you know, a finer casual Italian restaurant. And um, I did that for about six years total in the kitchen, uh, a little over 10 years total in the restaurant business and um, pursuit of management or a business degree. And really the entrepreneurial thing grabbed me. I really wanted to learn how to own and operate a restaurant. So I really started working on that management position roles and uh, found myself in fine dining, night uh, restaurants, bars, um, hotels, um, some private clubs and things like that. So I kind of came up in those ranks initially, um, but I've landed in QSR Fast Schedule, which I love because of the speed and the excitement and the innovation and the, and all the great new concepts that are created all the time. I just think it's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, lifelong, all aspects of the business, uh, just constantly trying to learn and be a part of innovation and exciting new things. Wow. Well, what a great tee up to my next question. You mentioned you started as a busboy, you worked your way up in the industry. And with that, I know you can understand, you know, and appreciate how complex restaurant operations can really be, especially today. And so as Pepper Lunch continues to grow its North American footprint, I'd really love to understand better your perspective on the role technology plays in restaurants. Uh, what are the factors that your team looks for in a good tech stack today? Uh, loaded question. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it's 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 critical. Like it's always been a piece and a part. And 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 those who had it uh, early on, legacy POS. Like if you had it and you didn't, um, you enjoyed some differences and some benefits and some. Uh, now it's table stakes, right? And so now the question is: is what technology can do in your business to enhance? Um, hospitality, to enhance the employee journey and experience, to create efficiencies. Um, and even more so today, as we all talk about AI and data, how can we understand our business better so that we can redefine and fine tune and innovate and grow each and, area, each and every area of our business? So um, having access to how all of this information interplays and how a causation has a result and what, what you can do to affect those things. What I'm talking about, and it sounds a little ethereal, is direct action and business results. And most restaurants in history and many, many, if not most restaurants still today operate in the blind. They really don't know their numbers. They really don't know that when they make a decision, what all of the cascading effects of those decisions are, whether it's a change of an ingredient, change of a purveyor in bringing in a new menu item, eliminating a menu item. It's sort of very linear thinking and very, this causes that, but they don't see the ancillary spider web of the other things that those decisions make. And nowadays with technology and integration of technology and access to data in a clear way, um, you can kind of ask and get information from your systems that really, really allow you to hone in on every aspect of your operation, business, and and product offering. So with that, I mean, how does Pepper Lunch approach testing and innovation for your with your own technology inputs and for the decisions that you make for your experiential concept? Well, this company has been pretty technology light until I came along. Um, we, you know, we, uh, I'm part of an equity firm and holding company that purchased the brand a little over three and a half years ago. 
And in the last about year, year and a half, they've really started to think about, okay, what is the future? What are our needs? Where are inefficiencies in the home office and headquarters? Where are inefficiencies uh, at the regional management level? What What's going on at the store level? So we've really been digging in to that. We hired a team led by our chief of technology, innovation and integration. That's his title. And so um, we're really digging in and trying to understand the complexities. Look, we have 513 stores. We've opened an average of five stores a month for the last year. And um, we had an old model that now is being redefined. We own 126 of our own corporate stores, but they're in three different countries and we're starting to build corporate stores in the US. So that's four different countries. And so there's all kinds of complexities and things that do and don't interplay with each other. So we're looking at it from an internal customer perspective. How can we find and create efficiencies in our internal processes and systems? How can we do that at the store level for our own stores and our franchise partners? And then how can we do that and enhance the experience and journey for our customer? And we're looking at, obviously, in our partnership, we are partners of Revel. Very recently, we're installing our first one in the next couple of weeks in our first alpha store. But we're looking at how we can bring hospitality to kiosk experience, how we can um, enhance the employee experience. Uh, look, we're still one of those brands that has seven tablets on the counter for all of the third party because that wasn't integrated into the old POS. And now it is. Now everything will be on our Revel system from DoorDash to Uber Eats, et cetera. And so all of that changes the experience and it changes um, the workflow and it changes what the job roles really are as well. So we're really in the burn it to the ground, start from scratch, think about the future. And for us, it's about efficiency and internal and external stakeholder experience. Ooh, five store openings a month for the past year. That's pretty wild. Uh, those are some crazy numbers. And you mentioned integrations and having seven tablets on the counter right now, hoping Revel can be a little bit of a solve for that. Indeed. And, you know, we're big believers in our open API here at Revel. It sounds like it was a value add for Pepper Lunch and leveraging this best of breed approach to integrations for things like loyalty, online ordering, POS hardware. There's there's so many more. Are there any key integrations for Pepper Lunch that support your service offerings and your plans for, you know, rapid growth and, and all the things you just mentioned? Yeah, quite a few. And, and the, I'll say this, that Revel's been a great um, partner in willingness to entertain and uh, work with and think about how future integrations might be able to be deepened, even if you do have a relationship already. You know, initially for us, Restaurant 365's partnership was really, really important. Um, we've been a longtime user and proponent in, in my previous uh, positions and, and in our consulting practice previously. We've been a longtime user of 365. Their product has expanded and, and, and is just ever more valuable to us as an operating management system and, and um, visibility tool into our business. And so having that instant interplay and integration, certainly on the human uh, capital management side, seven shifts um, is another product that we're very familiar with and very comfortable with and uh, appreciate the value it brings to our business. So we're bringing seven shifts in. And so that integration is important. Um, and, and there's a long list and there's many things we're considering. There's quite a few things that we're testing a la carte, one-off sort of alpha beta. And um, we just know that whether they already are um, integrated that they deep or otherwise, right? They're, they're an actual partner of Revel or not. Um, we're very confident that if we come to you and say, hey, we got 500 stores that are going to use this, we, we've got to figure this out. 
um, we know that that there's a relationship there that will allow us to uh, continue to grow and and use the tools we need in our business wherever that is. So we mentioned already growth in the North America space. I've seen some headlines lately on your U.S. expansion, including Florida, Hawaii, Arizona. So what can you share about further plans for scaling and expansion at this point? Uh, as fast and as expansive as possible. Uh, this is this is the world domination via the North American growth model. No, listen, we're being very, very thoughtful about who our franchise partners are. Um, we are currently only entertaining and talking with and working towards relationships with existing multi-unit or even previously multi-unit who are making transitions, but um, basically uh, experienced operators with great resources, excellent teams, execution um, at the highest level in their in their existing infrastructure um, because we want to build quality uh, restaurants in great communities that are going to bring a long time uh, value proposition uh, both to our franchise partner our communities that we serve and certainly the brand overall and so um, we're being very thoughtful uh, but we are being aggressive uh, we are moving quickly um, by the end of February we will have um, signed five partnership deals, and um, those will result in 42 new stores over the next five years. Um, it's an aggressive development schedule, but the partners we're working with are well uh, suited to meet that demand, and um, and and they're moving quickly. So, you know, we expect not less than 600 Pepper Lunch units to be in development over a 10-year period. Um, so there's just a lagging build uh, for those locations, uh, but that's our starting point. That's our that's today. If we could, if we had a, the ability to do it all at once, we do 600 today, and then the long tail, um, you know, concentric circle of influence that those will develop their communities, and then the you know the infill opportunities uh, will present themselves over many years. And so we're not theorizing what that capability could potentially be. But, you know, a thousand stores in 20 years is certainly not out of the question, I think, for this brand. Wow. In North and America it, alone. Ooh. And, and you mentioned this, I think, when speaking to expansion and, and the franchise model you guys have in place today. But can you expand on just the characteristics your team really looks for when they're seeking out successful franchise operators? Yeah. So um, experienced being a multi-unit operator in one or multiple brands um, a longevity history. You've been doing this a while. You've shown, you know, a lot of these folks, you know, they currently today build five stores a year within a brand. So they're, they're used to that sort of cadence. They have that team or they have that infrastructure of uh, support vendors and things already in that community. So very specifically to the market they're choosing. Essentially, we're not having somebody who says, oh, I've always wanted to go to Texas, but you know, I'm from California and I'm going to go do pepper lunch in Texas. That's not going to work for us. You got to know your community. You got to know your market. Um, you know, that's the type of partner. And then, you know, a, a franchise partner who um, really buys into the brand's value proposition, really buys into, we've been doing this for 30 years. We own 23% of the system. We really do know how to run these stores and we know what works. And we've actually been doing it in the United States for six years. So we actually understand the Western market. We've been in Australia for 17 years. And so um, somebody who understands and appreciates that we have a lot to contribute in that partnership and will pay homage and respect the legacy, but also be a part of building the future at the same time. So, you know, those are the primary characteristics of the folks that are finding their way to us. And it's, um, 
it's a natural chemistry. We know it, they know it. It feels right. It, it goes very quickly, usually um, to the closing table, so to speak, because um, we're all on the same page and all have the same vision. That is a beautiful thing when you can find it. Um, so switching a little bit, I, you know, I know that you mentioned technology is catching up a little bit in, in Pepper Lunch, um, but based on the information that you do have today, how do elements like data and analytics play into menu planning or other adjustments that you're making from an operational level? Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the easier things that we implemented very quickly uh, in multiple modalities um, was the ability to uh, listen to our customers and our employees and have a very clear understanding. So we've used um, for, uh, I think it's six months at least now, a program called Freets, F-R-E-A-T-Z. And Freets is basically the secret shopper um, of the future uh, model. It's, it's taken that old model uh, where we used to pay for one to three people to come in once a quarter, once a month, you know, and, and said, no, actually, we're going to source your customer base and we're going to source your community and we're going to send in 30 to 50 shoppers a month and we're going to reimburse them for a meal. And they're going to give us at least a 50 question survey that we've prescribed. Very different from the passive review observation model. Right. And and so they have data analysts and data scientists who can present this ongoing large volume of data and feedback that we can control some of the questions so we can hone in on some very specific areas of our business we want to have insights on. But it's really customer experience, customer journey data that gives us a real world, real customer direct line to understand where we are in all aspects of our business and ongoing over a long period of time, we can then see the trend lines. And so we can make adjustments and, and, and make decisions and then watch the direct effect of those on the customer experience. So we do that using that platform. We have recently tested and um, signed on with Momos. Uh, we did it with 36 stores in Singapore that we own. We're now rolling out in the US. Momos is a um, reputation management um, customer sentiment management. It actually watches and listens in the entire internet. So social media, uh, review sites, we can send out our own surveys. Um, it's really, a, it, it allows us to communicate as well. It allows us to um, actually at scale, manage reviews, manage insights, manage feedback on all platforms, including social media. So I love that because I can see mentions of our brand, excitement about elements of our brand. Uh, we have a plushie out there in these uh, vending machines in, in Asia, and we can see people posting with them. So a lot of different ways to keep touch and view on what people think of us, and then actually communicate with them, invite them into the conversation, join the conversation actively. Um, so being able to have those touch points with the customer, and then convey that detail, like not make this a gotcha game with our employees. Our employees were well-trained, notified, and and involved in the process of rolling these products uh, platforms out so that they understood that our intent was not to catch them and punish them, but was actually to engage them in the conversation so that they could take pride and ownership in the opportunities we have, whether it was a negative, a neutral, or a positive sentiment where they could see the opportunities they could directly impact. And we want them to know that what they do matters. And it really translates to the guest experience and our success um, as a brand and as a location, as a store, as a shift. 
And so that's been a couple of things that we were able to implement very quickly and very seamlessly that is bringing us a lot of understanding and value to help us make those decisions. And we are doing things around our menu innovation. We are doing things around price change. We are bringing in new products. We are rolling out LTOs. All of those decisions are driven by these insights from the external and internal customer at the brand. Those are so interesting. Troy. I, I, truthfully, I had never even heard of a, a program that allowed you to incentivize a customer to come in and give you direct feedback. Um, that's such critical data. That is so cool. And I cannot believe we've gone this far into the podcast and not asked you perhaps the most critical question, which is what is your go-to order um, at Pepper Lunch? There must oh. be a favorite. Do you change it up every time? Uh, what are we talking here? I go in batches. So I'll eat the same thing for a couple of weeks, months, whatever it is. And then I'll switch it up. And I'll, and I am sort of stuck on one right now, but I am going to graduate soon um, <laughs> as we're making some innovations around our ingredient profile. Um, and so I'll probably be getting into some other ones. But today, uh, look, if you go to Pepper Lunch for the first time, please have the jumbo beef pepper rice, add garlic chips. We have roasted garlic chips. Add those to your dish. And that should be your first pepper lunch experience. And it is for most people. Um, and it's what the team will probably recommend for you. Um, right now, though, I am just loving one of our pasta dishes. So we have this uh, sort of spaghetti pasta oleo, this al dente style pasta. And, um, and uh, we have a seafood version. And I do uh, creamy seafood pasta shrimp only no mushrooms i don't like mushrooms it's just me um so it's basically shrimp pasta parmesan cheese black pepper and salt with a cream sauce that it it, it you know it bubbles on that 500 degree plate all that water evaporates out and you get this wonderful sort of parmigiani creamy um it's shrimp alfredo at the end of the day but it's really really good um and and that cheese and that black pepper come through the flavor of the shrimp in, emulsifies into that pasta flavor. And it's just, it's so good. And for me, it's actually really light. Our pasta is really, really light. And so it's actually a lighter dish for me. And it's an alternative to the rice. I eat a lot of rice. Yeah. It makes sense that you'd want to change that up just a little bit from time to time. So uh, that sounds divine and I'm hungry again. Um, uh, well, so in terms of what you have in the works, we've kind of covered a lot of that already, but you know, you mentioned earlier things like, um, you know, through some of your your learnings from Momo, you're considering things like LTOs and, and menu adjustments. And so what is an exciting thing or things that you can share in terms of Pepper Lunch news for our listeners? Yeah, because they're all happening in Q1. So it's coming quick. Um, we will roll out our first corporate LTO from the brand. Um, we're going to do that quarterly. And we've never done that in the United States. We've allowed our uh, franchise partners to sort of develop and get approval and do their own. And they've done a phenomenal job. Um, but we are coming up with our own. And part of that is from the uh, insights and also the innovations around our ingredient profile. Um, there's some opportunities to run, roll some really unique and cool products out. So um, LTOs starting Q1 quarterly changing of those LTOs is brand new for us. We recently... Uh, updated and added to our beverage program. We bought Tractor Beverage in, which is really light, natural, certified organic GMO-free frescas. So these uh, flavored waters that are fantastic. Um, and those are really starting to catch on. So we're, we're really starting to promote those for the first time. Um, 
you know, in Asia, we usually have a dessert item. It's most commonly an ice cream, a small Haagen-Dazs uh, portion cup or something like that. We've never had a dessert in North America. So I am fortunate as a sugar addict uh, and dessert lover to be testing uh, lots of options. And we are looking at a custom to semi-custom product offering. So hopefully by the end of uh, March, uh, I will be rolling some testing out. And then certainly this year, rolling out a menu set dessert item uh, that is complimentary and authentic to the brand. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh boy, um, we're moving to Kiosk uh, with the partnership with Revel, uh, really important. Um, we've typically in the US been across the counter uh, order taker terminal based. Um, we're taking that person, that station, moving it out to the front of the house kiosk bank. And um, we call that role now a hospitality host. They're not only going to greet our guests, but come in two buckets. Experience knows what they want. Get out of my way. I'm going to customize my meal. And what the hell is this? I don't even know what I'm getting, right? Tell me all about it. And so um, we have an opportunity to segment our customers. And if you know what you like and don't need any help, feel free to step over to the kiosk and place your order and you're on your way um, and and everything in between. But certainly if you're new with us, we have the opportunity to spend some time with you at the kiosk and introduce you to our brand and guide you through that ordering. Um, because once you've done it once, you know what the system is and you can uh, feel really comfortable customizing and trying new things next time. But that first time uh, tends to be a little intimidating. And so we wanna make that really hospitable experience. And so that's really new for us. And that's going to be rolled out now with our first alpha store going live with Revel. And as we um, bring our rest of our seven North American stores on, um, we're going to be testing and improving and refining that position and sort of that script and that mindset and retraining our customers. We have a lot of fantastic longtime loyal customers. And so it's going to be new for them too, right? The sort of uh, self-directed, semi-self-directed experience. So looking forward to all of those things that are all happening at the same time right now. Yeah, lots of stuff going on in your world. And um, congrats on the Alpha Store. I'm best of luck. I know it'll go great and uh, with the kiosks as well. Uh, and Troy, before we close things out, this has been such a wonderful episode. I've enjoyed hearing from you. Uh, but we always like to ask if there's anything else you want to share with our listeners that we didn't get a chance to ask you today. Oh, my gosh. Um, try Pepper Lunch wherever you are. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, really passionate about sharing the story. Thank you so much for the platform and opportunity to share with your listeners. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, my goal is to always give more than I receive and give without expectation. And uh, I would just encourage listeners in the restaurant industry um, that if you heard some of the things we talked about today, it sounds like a lot. It is a lot. We have a great team. We have a lot of resources and help doing it. You know, if you're contemplating um, making any of these changes or trying to understand some of these things in your business a little bit more. Um, I'm always, as we say, weirdly available. I just want to make sure that this information ha has, has access. And so I'm happy to always share with uh, our fellow colleagues in the industry. Um, but, you know, don't allow analysis paralysis to creep in. Um, but also don't just uh, sign on and take the next great SaaS thing that does something, you know, make sure it has value and is doing something and solving a problem that you, your employees or your customers have. Um, so I think that's just important as we're talking about technology in particular, um, but to, to be really thoughtful about it, um, but don't get paralyzed by, by, oh, well, what about this and how will that like, you know, there are plenty of folks like myself and others out there that are, you know, actively 
pursuing and making these changes and implementing these things. And uh, look, I would love to um, make it easier for folks to um, to get to get down the road and make those uh, changes and innovations in their business. Yeah, I mean, it's who doesn't love learning from someone who has been down that path, who has you know insights and advice and. If and anyone who's ever been to a restaurant-focused trade show can speak to all the bells and whistles. I mean, there's something that is delicious or cheesy or both that is around every corner, and that's not even to speak of the tech inventions. Um, you know, it's a lot to take in and be dazzled by. So I do think that that willingness to share um, is such an awesome thing that you see within this industry. That's that's a really cool thing. Uh, well, Troy, that that's the end of our questions that we've prepared today, and I just want to offer an especially heartfelt thank you for your time, given all of the many things competing for it. We really appreciate your partnership. On behalf of the entire Rebel team, we are so excited to hit the ground running with the Alpha location and to continue to help with a smooth North America rollout as you guys expand so rapidly. So many, many thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for the time and uh, great to chat with both of you today. Troy's energy and passion for Pepper Lunch is palpable, and I am so excited to see how the restaurant evolves in North America. I hope it isn't too long before there's a Pepper Lunch in the metro Atlanta area. I couldn't agree more. Troy's descriptions of the sizzling plates absolutely has my mouth watering. And it's also fascinating to hear how he and his team are really taking the experiential component to new heights with a closer focus on restaurant technology. Absolutely. And we are very fortunate at Revel that their team has selected us as one of the key partners for technology testing and certainly for innovation. I have a feeling that there are great things in store for the partnership. And as we close out the episode, I'd like to include a thank you to Troy and the entire team at Pepper Lunch. And for any listeners in one of the North American cities where Pepper Lunch has started opening locations, definitely add this restaurant to your list of places to visit. Yes, do that. And to all of our listeners, we appreciate your time and attention today. Make sure you never miss a new podcast episode by liking and subscribing to Restaurant and Retail Revelations on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back soon with even more revelations.